Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. My guest in this episode is Dr. Jeffrey Drazen, who is the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, depending on which side of the Atlantic Ocean you live on, the New England Journal is likely the most important and well-read journal of medicine in the world. Its cornerstones are in its research and in medical education, but over the last few years, it's really taken on a bigger role in tackling complicated issues that face society at large, tackling complex issues of public health, uh, medical emergencies, and politics, uh, in particularly dealing with issues around the Affordable Care Act and also issues around the upcoming presidential election. My conversation with Dr. Drazen was a very wide-ranging one. We covered a tremendous number of topics, but it really gives a sense of the impact that the journal can have and how, as it becomes more and more forward-facing to the general public, more and more people are going to be able to learn from it and benefit from it. This was a really fun conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Without further ado, Dr. Jeffrey Drazen. Dr. Drazen, thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be here. So I've been reading the New England Journal of Medicine uh, since I was a medical student, and it's been an interesting journey as a reader. Something that I've noticed over the last several years, and this is what I wanted to really kind of dive into with you, is it seems like there is a pivot with the journal over the last several years where it is becoming very quickly more topical, more editorial content, more historical work. The bench research is still there. The randomized controlled trials are still there. But it does seem like there's this interesting pivot to being more engaged with the world around the practice of medicine, not just the world of medicine at the bedside. Is this something that was intentional? Is this something that was thought out? Or have you noticed that this has been more of a natural trend? No, I think we've uh, worked very hard to make sure that we're in this space, but we've been doing it for about 10 years uh, when we started the perspective section. For the last uh, three or four years, I think we may have been a little more topical than we've been in the past, but a lot of the times uh, our major topical stuff had to do with the Affordable Care Act. We spent a lot of effort on that. We worked very hard uh, to make sure that uh, physicians and healthcare professionals around the world find our our information to be topical and of interest. So in our perspective section, that's the interface between medicine and society. We, um, we publish stuff at that interface. We also have sounding boards where uh, people have their ideas that they think will resonate uh, with the community. Um, and we publish health policy reports and other longer uh, articles, which are, are basically about what we call controversial topics. We think it's important to discuss controversial topics um, in an appropriate and uh, reasoned fashion. If you get to the point where you can't discuss something uh, because it's taboo, uh, then you've lost the fundamental nature of a democratic society. The bulk of my listeners are not physicians and I think it's really interesting to look at the perspectives on the website right now. Structural racism and supporting black lives. 
Medicaid and insuring the poor, where are we heading? Hard time or hospital treatment, mental illness and the criminal justice system. These are, as you say, extremely topical. They're provocative. The articles are well done, well thought out, well crafted, whether you agree with them or not. And they're certainly stimulating for conversation. Are you finding that more people who are not physicians are starting to come to the New England Journal as a place to get, you know, potent editorial, thoughtful content? So the answer is we don't know. Okay. <laughs> because um, when uh, much of this content's in what we call our free space, uh, and it's out there for anybody uh, who wants to read it to read it uh, without having to sign in to give us credentials and the like. Uh, and uh, it's work that we most of which of which we've commissioned ourselves. So it's not. Uh, third-party funded research, but we think this is part of our community service. Uh, that's the reason why we, we put it out there. So we don't know uh, who those readers are. Uh, we hope that whoever reads it finds it um, engaging and interesting to help their thoughts as we move forward into a very interesting times. What do you see the role of the journal in helping guide people through those times? Do you Would you like to see the journal sort of be that bellwether, not just for physicians, but for any interested citizen or anyone around the world that might be interested in a specific topic to be able to come to their journal to read? Or do you want to still have the, more the corner of those in healthcare? So our language um, in our original research articles, our review articles about medical topics is written from a medical lexicon. Sure. Uh, we use terms that we feel that someone with a health professional education should be able to understand without defining. And that is the research content, the content that uh, physicians and other healthcare professionals, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, nurses in general, um, use in making clinical decisions, we think should be aimed and written for that type of audience. On the other hand, when we discuss issues at the interface between medicine and society, those issues are perfectly okay um, to use what we call more common language, not language that's a health professional associated. Uh, the woman who does the editing has a PhD in English, and we try very hard to define terms that may not be in common use. So if you read our perspectives, our sounding boards, our some special articles, it'll tell you about these sorts of things, but you won't get information about how to treat your brother with, or how your brother with breast can with uh, prostate cancer should be treated or your sister with breast cancer. Uh, it's that's in our, uh, the content, which we believe is aimed at health professionals. And we're not, we, we don't try to go out of our way to communicate with the general public on it. it uh, for the sophisticated reader or one that's willing to look up terms or has an appropriate knowledge, they'll be able to read the articles without difficulty. But the, uh, we do have material where we're specifically aiming at communicating with the group of people that uh, are not professionals. Along that same vein, though, of finding that interface between healthcare and medicine and society at large, obviously there are a couple of very provocative topics on the table right now that the New England Journal has tackled. Obviously the 
the presidential election of 2016 and the Affordable right. Care Act. Um, yep. the, the editors of the journal asked both the Democratic and Republican presidential nominees, Secretary Clinton and Donald Trump, to submit their answer to a question. The question, which I'll read here for those, for those who haven't seen it, what specific changes in policy do you support to improve access to care, improve quality of care, and control health care costs for our nation? Secretary Clinton submitted a response that was published on September 28th of this year, and uh, Donald Trump did not submit a response. Were you disappointed that you didn't have two separate perspectives for readers to chew on? We asked both parties uh, for a perspective, and we expected to get them. As you, If you look back in our archive, uh, ever since I took over as, as editor in 2000, we've published such pieces. And uh, I can't say that there was disappointment. Um, we hoped for it to come in, but quite often people promise articles and there are other things that are on the agenda of the person who's supposed to be writing, which uh, they considered more important. Um, this is uh, simply the lay of the land. Uh, we try to uh, tell people what we did, why we did it, and uh, we let the work speak for itself. Were you able to communicate directly with Secretary Clinton and Mr. Trump in advance of the request? Well, we communicated with their office, and in both cases, with uh, Mr. Trump and with uh, Secretary Clinton, we received responses that they had received our invitation, they um, tended to accept our invitation, and they understood the deadlines. When uh, the deadlines were approaching, we sent people a reminder, um, and then when the deadline uh, passed, we said, okay, we'll give you an extra day or two, (laughs) uh, and that was it. Uh, But we did have uh, acknowledged from both camps that they had received the invitation and they intended to respond. Do you envision the journal becoming more involved in the politics of hashing out the Affordable Care Act? Obviously, since it became law and even prior to it during the discussion, it was weekly material in the journal. Do you want to enhance that? Do you want to dial it back? Do you, what, what road do you want to take uh, as people continue to deal with the questions around the ACA? We think... Uh, that our role should be to air differing opinions so that people can understand them. We like to get thoughtful pieces about various aspects of any piece of medical information um, so people can understand the various uh, ideas that are out there. And we're not uh, supporting the ACA. We're not against the ACA. We think like any human endeavor, it merits uh, serious thinking and rethinking we want to provide the information to help people do that. And uh, that's what we think our job is. We know that um, for people in the United States, uh, this is an important chunk of healthcare thinking. We're not trying to influence the politics. We're trying to give the politicians uh, an opportunity to see all sides of the argument um, as they uh, deliberate and decide what's in the best interest of their constituencies. In the past, during presidential elections, when you've requested, or I should say invited, uh, an answer to a question during a campaign, have you ever not received a response before? This is the first time we have not received a response. It does feel like a missed opportunity. Obviously, the New England Journal is the platform that most people turn to, especially in medicine, to to get two sides of this argument. And I think it's fair to say that that was an opportunity missed. As it goes forward, though, as the election gets closer, do you anticipate having more material geared towards the election and decision 2016? Or do you already sort of have an editorial map sketched out? 
So um, I'm not going to tell you what our plans are. You have to keep your eyes peeled on our page. <laughs> Fair enough. No spoilers. No spoilers. There's one other thing that the journal does in this pivot that you and I have been discussing over the last several years is it's become, in my view, extremely topical when we have a healthcare emergency, uh, when we had the Ebola outbreak every year around influenza, these sorts of topics. The journal, to me, has become a really important landing zone for quality reportage, not just here's the thing that we're using to treat it, but breaking down the facts of the outbreak or the facts of the catastrophe or whatever it may be. Is this something that you have also intentionally said, we need to be better at this in the time period of a 24 hour news cycle and kind of clickbait reporting? We want to be a lot more focused, a lot more deliberate and provide a very high level of quality. So since our first edition in uh, January of 1812, Infectious disease has been a critical component of what's published in the journal. One of our deputy editors is an infectious disease physician, an associate professor at Harvard Medical School, and a vaccine researcher. A very well-connected person in the infectious disease community, uh, Lindsay Baden is his name. And uh, we... uh, Our moment here came in March of 2003 when I was in uh, Hong Kong on a treadmill uh, and uh, heard about the beginning of SARS. And I said, whoa, we need to get this out. And then we talked to people in Hong Kong. We talked to people in Toronto. We got information out as soon as we possibly could uh, because we thought that for infectious diseases, uh, which need to be recognized, uh, you need to understand the clinical presentation, uh, you need to understand the epidemiology, and you need to understand how patients with the disease can be diagnosed and, in many cases, treated. Uh, and so we try to provide information for healthcare professionals to recognize infectious disease, to be able to make a clear diagnosis or to include it in its differential diagnosis, and to know what to do when they've got a case and to know when they don't have a case. Even in 2016, in our 21st century, we need to have good information about infectious disease. There will always be new outbreaks, uh, and so we're on them as quick as we possibly can. We know people all around the world. We try to get people associated with the epicenter of the outbreak. Uh, We work closely with the people at Children's Hospital that sponsor HealthMap, which uh, monitors uh, traffic from around the world, internet traffic, uh, and they're uh, able to locate outbreaks quite often before public health authorities do because we think this is our role, that healthcare professionals will turn to us when there's an outbreak of a disease that they need to understand. I think that they absolutely do. I would also suggest that this might be the place where the journal can be even more public facing because when those outbreaks happen, there's always fear, there's always misinformation and confusion. uh, And it's always important for people to know that there may be another resource that they can look at. There may be some jargon and that's okay. Because uh, you can't have four different articles covering the same topic in a timely fashion. But that being said, th- right. it might be an important opportunity for the journal to also be able to say to anyone that may need to read about SARS or Ebola or influenza, this is a place to land. Right, and we want that we want people to look in our pages. If there's nothing there, uh, that means that there may not be anything there. 
as you've worked hard to evolve the journal and all of these different steps that you and I've been discussing, where's the pushback been? Who, who has said, nope, this is not the right way? Who has said, uh, we need a different way? Who has said, this is incorrect? Uh, where, where, cause there's, there's always going to be pushback and that's important. It helps us kind of guide right. our journey. Where does that come from? So there's two kinds of pushback. One kind of pushback is that people think that we are taking an editorial stance in favor of A and against B. And the kind of pushback that says, oh, no, you should be in favor of a B and against A, we welcome and encourage. That's exactly what we wanted to have happen. We want people to think and uh, look at our editorial positions and argue with us because only through a reasoned argument uh, can we really understand the way forward. And uh, there, there's been, when we publish something controversial, there have been a lot of differing opinions out there. We think that's absolutely terrific. It's wonderful. It's what we want. We want the community to be engaged. Fortunately, there hasn't been too much other feedback. Like you should, you know, this whole territory is something you should stay away from. I think most people understand uh, the difference between our original research and review article content in our uh, content, which is about uh, medical issues, uh, which is mostly based on opinion. And so we haven't had from either our readers or other people associated with the journal anything other than we think it's good that you're keeping these art, uh, in issues up front where they belong. As you continue to move forward as the chief, uh, as the editor-in-chief, and you have these opportunities to shape the narrative what are the next things you want to kind of bring under that umbrella? Where where else does the journal need to go in your view to make sure you have not just an informed healthcare provider cohort, but also an informed public? I can't answer that question um, because I don't know what's going to happen. If I could yes. see the future, I wouldn't be in this business. I can all, all I can say is that we keep uh, our fingers on the pulse of uh, medical humanity. And when there's a change in that pulse, we try to understand the basis of it and bring that to public light. And I don't know where that's going to be, but you can be absolutely certain um, that every one of our editors is always thinking about that. Is there something happening that the world needs to know about? And then when something comes up that meets that spec, we'll be reporting on it. I don't know what it will be, but we won't let it go unnoticed. That's an interesting perspective that you, because you've been able to have this pivot where the, the the current content is now so important. Yeah, if you don't know what's coming, you just have to be ready for it. It's interesting right. because the journal has become the water cooler talk sort of in the world of medicine, and it's not necessarily the original articles like it may have been in the past. Now it is the perspective article, the really provocative subject matter where people do read it and say, what do you think? Let's talk about it. It's going to be really fun to let that continue as we face the challenges that we know are ahead of us. Well, uh, as a health professional myself, we hope it's both. We hope that when a, a research article like we published one this week about whether mammography is really providing value, we hope that that um, stirs talk. But that was a research article uh, meant for health professionals. We want to encourage people to think about both our research content and to talk about our research content, as well as our content at the interface between medicine and society. That interface is a fascinating place to live. And it's, it's really interesting to watch the New England Journal continue to evolve right. with it. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. Stay healthy, stay informed. 
Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.